The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. What's going on, everybody? I'm The Nightmare. And I'm Rotten Jack. And this This is Common Common Debauchery. Common Debauchery may contain mature subject matter and is intended for adult audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Common Debauchery. I am the Nightmare. Joining me, as always, from the comfort of his chicken finger laden living room, Rotten Jack. What's up, buddy? These are fucking delicious. Dude, if you're from the Lancaster area, uh, go to the Yelling Goat. This is unpaid advertising. Their food is fantastic. I've never had a bad meal there. There have been a few times, like, because they're busy, I had to be like, Hey, I asked for a refill on my drink 25 minutes ago and I've stopped eating because I'm so thirsty. Uh, right. Let me fix that. But I've never had bad food from there. Not once. I have been living in the Lancaster area for almost two years now. Been working in the Lancaster area for three and a half. And this is the first time I've ever gone to Yelling Goat. Yeah, they're uh, they have calzones that are huge. They're like the size of my head. Those are fantastic. Um, they're both their <clears throat> it's their bear bear sauce and then their BB and B chicken fingers are both fantastic. Their wings are good. Um and they're a bar. So I would drink. I would honestly I would really like this uh BB and B sauce on wings. I would like to try it on. I think they do that. Why wouldn't they? It's just a sauce. Right. One of the one of these days we'll go uh have a cup yeah. we're doing. But we are we're discussing, and this is I, I like this topic. This is a fun one uh, that you brought up for us. Yeah, everyone's want to come up with a good one. You know, it, it's always interesting because we never really talk about things beforehand. No, nope. like usually a couple hours before we start recording, I'm like, "What do we want to talk about?" And we usually sort something out. And that's why some episodes are like, "I don't know, let's just talk." And other episodes are like, "Hey, let's talk about this." We are talking about. Well, I'll, okay, I'll let you explain it. <clears throat> I mean, it's nothing too serious to explain. Uh, famous people throughout history, alive or dead, that you would love to sit down and like have dinner with or just go to the bar and sit in the corner and just famous alive or dead people you would love to have a conversation with So, for as long as you want. I love this this topic because one of my favorite things to do when I was younger, uh, I work, I worked and still do lessons for, uh, an indoor training facility here in Western New York. And for a long time during my tenure there, a man by the name of Rick Lancelotti worked there. Rick played 17 years of professional baseball, including three stints in the show, uh, with Boston, Seattle and Pittsburgh, I believe if memory serves, he is kind of the like he's not the guy the movie bull durham was based on but they people wrote an article about him calling him the real life crash davis if you've ever seen uh yeah bull durham so you know eh, this dude had stories man like this guy i used to sit there and when we would clean it up at the end of the night you know building would be closed members are gone and he's got like one lesson left some you know older kid you know junior senior high school college kid something like that that he was working with, you know, I'd go and sit there and just watch him teach and like, just learn from him. And then we'd end up just in conversation. And next thing I know, it's like 12, 1230. And he's looking at me being like, listen, 
when you come in tomorrow, you have to tell my wife that the reason I got home so damn late is because you, you wouldn't tell me like, you never told me to shut up. And we stayed here talking till midnight. Cause like, she's going to be pissed that I'm home, that I'm, that I'm out so late. <laughs> His wife ran the pro shop in the, in the building. So I'd like, I'd walk and be like, Rick was with me. We were sitting in back talking and like, it could be anything from baseball to just fun experiences. He had, um, I mean, stories that I will not tell because they're not my stories to tell. Um, yeah. But just some really, really funny, funny things. Um, stories about his time playing in Japan, stuff like I love this man. I, I is he still in the area? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they live in Clarence. He, to the best of my knowledge, is still doing lessons and out of the Eastern Hills Mall facility. Mm. Um, but yeah, he some of the funniest things I've ever heard. And just some of the some of my favorite nights and it's it's part of the reason I started tip of the cap was because, you know, bringing people on and letting them tell their stories is part of what, you know, what the podcasting world is, right? It's what it's part of why we do what we do. And this show that we, you know, we've had a few people on, uh, we've had Christy London on who kind of got to tell her story a little bit and, and just hearing people's stories, I think is fascinating. Extremely. So this one is really, really cool to me. Uh, and I'm intrigued to see, I'm going to work <clears throat> number five to number one. I don't really have mine in any particular order, to be honest. These are just my, mine's in no particular order, but the top two are my top two. Sure. I mean, my top one is my top one, but other than that, really no particular order. All right. So go ahead. You can start. Uh, I will start. Um, you may not know this, but, uh, there's a rather famous actor that grew up in Cheektowaga, graduated from Maryvale High School. Uh, good old Mr. William Fickner. Hmm. Yeah, he's a local boy. No kidding. Yeah, I would love to be able to sit down and talk with him just about like just like his rise to, you know, becoming an actor and, you know, how. How does someone from like this shithole of an area that Western New York is that no one ever gets famous for anything here? Um, I, and it's not even that nobody ever gets famous from here. It's just it's a small town. You yeah, know, we we sit here like, oh, you go to the city. It's like it's the second biggest city in New York. In New York, but like it's not a big city by any no. means. So like the, um, area, the area as a whole, like just doesn't produce a ton of a ton of fame. We'll say, yeah. Uh, but it's super interesting to have a local guy, you know, was in like Armageddon, was in the Ninja Turtles reboot movies. Uh, you know, he's got a long, long storied career, a very impressive resume to his name. Um, uh, I, I really just want to like sit down and talk to him about like how he pursued that because he didn't even go to college for acting. He has criminal justice degrees. From Brockport. Oh, so you mean you can actually have a useless degree and make something yourself? Right. Weird. Uh, but like, it would be super cool to sit down and just be like, you know, how did you transition from being a criminal justice major and getting degrees in criminal justice to like, how did you end up breaking into Hollywood? Yeah, I listen, all it takes is the right person to see you like the right, right. to be seen in the right context and the right you know, in the right light and someone who knows somebody who knows a guy who has a guy gives you a chance. And then it's just what you do with that opportunity. I'm all for it. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I love it. 
who do you got? Oh, I am going to stay in the acting realm. Okay. I would love nothing more than to sit down and sip some sake with Bruce Lee. Oh, yeah. Listen, I, if you know me, if you've listened to the show, I have been a fan of the martial arts my entire life. Uh, I got into the martial arts because I was a huge Chuck Norris fan, which ties, I mean, and I would love to sit and talk to him, but he's, he's gotten a little weird and goofy in his older age. Um, back when he was doing martial arts movies and he was actually handpicked by Bruce Lee to mm-hmm. be in a movie to do a fight scene as the bad guy. Um, you know, that, that would, that was the dude, like, I, I feel like the, the shine has worn off that star, but the shine of the Bruce Lee star has never worn off. Uh, the dude came to America because he was fleeing the Chinese mob. This dude was so oh, shit. This dude was so fast. His movies actually had to be slowed down so people could see what he was doing. Wait, what? If you actually watched him in real life speed, you wouldn't see his hands so much so that he took one of the most well-renowned black belts in the United States, told him, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And I'm going to do it. I, I'm like, you can say go and I'm going to do it. They tried eight times. The guy didn't block a single punch knowing they were coming and knowing the order they were coming in. He could not stop Bruce Lee. Holy shit. Bruce Lee. At one point, there's a video. You can look it up on YouTube. He is, he, he, he's playing ping pong with nunchucks. <laughs> he also has that same video. He is actually lighting matches with nunchucks. Somebody is throwing matches at him and he's striking them and lighting them with nunchucks. No shit. He trained people like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Steve McQueen, and James Corburn. What did he train Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in? Wing Chun. Oh. He, he like, And that's the thing. He's got his own style. Like, oh, he's so cool. He was, and he was a dancer. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Like he was a huge, huge dancer. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So he, and competitively, that's the best part. Competitively. He, and like, it's a rare piece of footage you can find where he's in the Hong Kong cha-cha championship. He was, he was like a ballroom dancer. He won in 1958. No shit. Uh, his movie, the movie Game of Death, was an unfinished 1972 film, and it wouldn't be finished because of the sad demise of Bruce Lee, but the revised version of the movie was made in 1978 with an entirely new story, along with, like, then they incorporated the original footage, and it included a character called Billy Lowe, uh, and there's a scene in the movie where Lee's dead body is used to show Billy Lowe's character forging his death. So, like, they actually used Bruce Lee's corpse because nobody, nobody 
could be Bruce Lee. Holy shit. That's a little fucked up, but okay. So they asked Bruce or they, they asked Chuck Norris once who was a good friend and co-actor <laughs> of Bruce Lee, who would win in a fight between Bruce Lee or the grim reaper. And Chuck Norris said the grim reaper wouldn't be able to touch Bruce Lee to beat him. No shit. Yeah. I didn't like, I knew Bruce Lee was like a really good martial artist and stuff like that. I didn't realize like he was like that fast. Like I know I obviously I know he's probably like the greatest martial artist that's ever existed. And in in modern times, we'll say. Well, and here's the best part. He was a fitness freak. Like, if you look at this dude, he's literally chiseled from stone and everything. Yeah. Um, like he like some of the stuff that he like two fingered push ups, one armed chin ups, like just casual. Did him did him daily. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he was so popular that the term Bruce Ploitation became a thing, where people would after he died or even during like okay so it was mostly after his death but people would go like named bruce lee li bruce lee le and bruce lay lai were people who tried to cash in on bruce lee's fame so one of them made a movie called enter the game of death starring Bruce Lee to try to get people to go see it, thinking it was a lost film of the real Bruce Lee. This oh my was God. So famous and so popular people made like people tried to fake being him to get people to see their movies. And the best part about it is I would sit down and just listen to this man, tell stories of where he came from, what he's done, how he learned what he did, his training regiments. I want to know it all. This would be fascinating. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to learn about like the movie star, Bruce Lee. You're like, teach me. Yeah. I want to learn about the dude. Like, right. Tell me about the guy who moves so fast that cameras have to be slowed down so I can watch him in a movie. Like, how'd you get there? How'd you do that? Yeah. How, how, how hard and how often do you have to train to get to that level? Because I mean, I've lived my life in the world of martial arts forever. I have met some very, very insanely dangerous people. And Bruce Lee puts most of them to shame. Without. I mean, I watch UFC all the time. I've seen some very fast strikers out there. Like, but I've never lost track of their fucking hands. Right. And a lot of what he did. Uh, so I, I have a very minimal level of training in Bruce Lee style of, of Wing Chun. And I'm pretty sure it's called Wing Chun. But um Yeah, let's go. Speaking of fighting styles, I wouldn't mind going to learn some uh, some BJJ. Jeet Kune Do, it's called. My fault. Jeet Kune Do. Do. It's Wing Wing Chung is part of it. Like he he basically made his own. Um, like Wing Chung is like the basics, the basis of it. No, so (laughs) Jun Fan Gung Fu Wing Chung, like a bunch of other ones are. Like he basically took what he felt were all of the, um, 
like best the most techniques, the most important facets of it, and created Jeet Kune Do. Hmm. Uh, I do have a, a a little bit, a minor bit of training, um, in that, and it was basically all it is is just to feel the movement of the other person and being in tight quarters, and that's really what it is. And people are like, oh, that sh- that shit doesn't work in a real fight. I don't know, man. I'm pretty sure Bruce Lee kick a lot of ass. Yeah, I wouldn't fuck with him. Also, if you want to learn, uh, if you want to do any type of BJJ stuff, I'll take you to a place. I got a guy. I mean, I wouldn't mind taking a few lessons. I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I got a guy. Nice. Who's your uh, next time on my list? This might be slightly controversial with where he is in the media and stuff right now. But Elon Musk. Hard to argue with that one. And listen, I don't give a shit what your opinion is of him with this whole Twitter thing. The dude knows some shit. Like he, he's the he richest motherfucker on the planet. Like he just who wouldn't want to sit down and have a conversation with him? Like dude came from South Africa, like emigrated to the United States is now the richest person on the fucking planet builds fucking rocket ships to launch into space for fun yeah, this dude, like, like they have so much money that you can be like, I'm going to shoot people into space for funsies. That's and then he's got like that side project called like the normal company or something like that, that he just fucking builds random shit. Like he just built flamethrowers and was selling flamethrowers. Just just because, hey, let's see if we can build a like a portable like flamethrower. All right, cool. Yeah. To have that much money is disgusting. Yeah. It's just, it's unbelievable what this dude is possible. Like, uh, there's not a single thing that he couldn't do if he wanted to. I'm convinced of it. Yeah. I mean, when you have enough money to, again, he bought Twitter. Like, and not only on a whim, he was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll buy Twitter. And not only did he buy Twitter, but for a lot more than it's worth, like he bought it for a lot more than it's worth. And it's such a like it's sending sending such a ripple that people are like, I'm quitting Twitter. Right. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. And you know what? He my man's like, I don't give a shit. And and like the people who have quit Twitter have come back to like tweet and then re-delete their like Mick Foley did it. Mick yeah. Foley, Mick Foley, like, if Elon Musk buys Twitter, I'm done. And people are like, Ain't it? It's not an airport, bro. Don't gotta announce your departure. right and then he comes out and he's like oh i came back to say x y and z okay i'm deleting twitter again like just just knock it off like you want to be on twitter you you want to be on twitter and right i'm sorry but and getting sidetracked mick foley is missing the ample opportunity he should have a twitter handle for himself and all three of his wrestling personalities (laughs) yeah he he should only follow himself and argue with himself argue with himself the fact that that's not a thing is ridiculous. Elon. Uh, someone get Triple H on the line. <laughs> Elon, if you ha- like, talk to my boy, talk to Mick, be like, you don't like, I, I will, I will rig the algorithm so you don't have to see anything, but entertain us with you arguing with yourself and four different personalities. Right. Like, I mean, honestly, the Elon Musk episode of Joe Rogan's podcast is probably one of my favorite ones that I ever listened to. 
just because he was so like he was so fascinating to listen to like his perspectives on like humanity and like where he thinks like humanity is going to end up and like ways that we can like course correct and like very outlandish perspectives on all these things but also it gets you thinking like oh shit like which which is impressive because generally speaking uh joe rogan's a jackass so yeah i i typically only listen to his show if like there's a certain person that i like he happens to be a guest like if burt kreischer or tom segura is on his show i'm listening to that episode just because they're fucking hilarious but yeah um yeah, but I, no I, elon I would be time. he would be hilarious to and fascinating to have a conversation with just to just to pick his brain and just and, be like bro where like where do you come up with like your ideas and stuff like like were you just like laying around bored one day and you're like i should build a flamethrower and then went and built a fucking flamethrower and sold it online like i mean and when you have that much money think about what he's done think about the places he's gone think about the people he's met Think about like the stupid shit he's probably gotten himself into solely out of boredom and having the resources to do so. Like, yeah. Tell me a story, Santa. I want to know. Yeah. 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 Elon definitely up there for me. Yeah, uh, you want to talk controversial? I got. Oh, I'm sorry. It it was the boring company, not the normal company. Gotcha. Yes, the boring company makes fucking flamethrowers. So, you want to talk about controversial? All right. Can you tell me who said this? I am the punishment of God. If you had not committed great sins, God would not have sent a punishment like me upon you. No. All right. This person, in his time of rule killed over 40 million people erasing 700 million tons of carbon from the atmosphere regarding him as one of the most eco-friendly warriors ever at least he was concerned about the planet and did good things for the planet right got a guess yet i mean i'm really kind of hoping that we're not treading down the hitler line here but absolutely not Okay, then uh, one in 200 men today are direct descendants of him. 200 men are direct descendants of him. Uh, Okay, keep going. Give me another one. At one point, he was captured and enslaved, but eventually managed to escape after befriending one of his captors, causing his reputation to just increased tenfold after his escape. Uh, so what we have here is a friendly eco-terrorist <laughs> or a, a, a an, an, uh, an ecologically friendly terrorist who does great things for the environment. Uh, a fucking horn dog that one in 200 men are direct descendants of him. Uh, 
someone who's got a lot of street cred. Um, uh, give me like a country of origin. Oh, that gives it, that gives it away too easy. At one point he sent a, a trade caravan to a neighboring area. The governor of that place seized it and killed the traders. His retaliation, they invaded the area with 200,000 men and killed him by pouring molten silver down his eyes and mouth. We're stepping into Game of Thrones territory here. Is this oh, called Drogo? Uh, yeah, da- da- no, but this is who this is who they pretty much like. Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. He only forgave the man who shot an arrow into his neck in battle. He not only forgave the man who shot an arrow into his neck in battle, but also raised him to be one of his best and most trusted generals. So he rewarded somebody who wounded him in battle by giving him a position of power. Hmm. That's, yeah. Honestly, Genghis Khan was a thought on my mind. Uh, but I ultimately did not pull the trigger and put him on my list. Uh, he's like, I would love, just love to get like, where do you, where do you get the ideas from? Like, where, like, so this, he would control areas that he conquered by marrying his daughters into the ruling families and then would send his son-in-laws to war, ensuring his daughters would rule in their stead. The son-in-laws usually died and his daughters proved to be more successful at holding the kingdom together than the sons. So that's why he married his daughters in instead. Like, so he literally, like he was a feminist. He said, you're better at ruling. So I'm going to marry you into these, in, in like into these kingdoms. I'm going to send the dude you married away to war to die. So you can just rule in their stead. And so, I mean, eco-friendly and a feminist, but where sounds like a pretty good guy. Where do you get that idea from? Like, where does that where does that come from in your head? Especially like at that point in time when Genghis Khan was in power. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Like this. Most of the time when they went to war, they were outnumbered. They won by employing war tactics, like surrounding opposing armies and giving a false impression of their numbers by putting dummy soldiers on horses. <laughs> This dude was a genius. Yeah. Like, yeah, he would be super interesting to talk to just from a, just from a position of battle tactics. Right. Like, where the fuck did you come up with these ideas, bro? Like this, this dude was ahead of his time. Genius back in the 11 and 1200s. So much so he implored one of the first, uh, instances that we know of one of the first recorded instances of biological warfare, This dude would catapult dead bodies of people infected with the bubonic plague over city walls. I have heard that. Yeah. So this dude's just going out yeeting black death at people. I mean, that's one way to do it. How did he ultimately die? Died. Uh, it just says when he died. Oh, he made it all the way to 64, 65 years old. So he's also responsible for, uh, the idea of taxation, which sucks. Oh, fuck him then. What an asshole. Well, okay. So it really was a Confucian scholar named (laughs) Yelu. 
Y E L U, yellow, uh, came up with the idea of taxation instead of annihilation. So basically, it was the idea of like, listen, if you conquer people and make them pay you, you can conquer more people. But if you just keep annihilating people, eventually, like, you're going to run out of people. True. It uh, doesn't say exactly how he died, just that he died eight days after within eight days of setting off his final campaign. Uh, yeah. One of his, and like, so this is how interesting this dude was in adherence to his final wishes. Not a single person was told of his burial site. Not a, not no one knew of the location of his grave. Yep. Like, so, so it has to be buried without markings. Yeah. So the people who like killed him or the people who buried him, like they went around, found out who knew where he was buried. Like people, like the people, like people who did it, planned it, like buried him, holding hands. And then the people who did the killing killed themselves. Yeah. So no one knew where his, his body was buried. This dude is fascinating. Um, they actually think that they may have found, um, his tomb site. However, it is in a very remote part of, uh, Mongolia that is protected by like a local, like indigenous tribe that is protected by federal or like Mongol federal, um, like law and stuff. So you are not allowed to go there. Well, that's cool. Yeah. But like by doing like, uh, geographical scans from like satellites and like planes and stuff like that they're they think they know where it is but they'll never actually be able to find out because they'll never be allowed to go there yeah uh i mean i can't say i blame them maybe i don't know like you know the dude is fascinating i would love to sit down and have i don't know what did they drink back then grog piss i don't know yeah, probably like like the zebra fermented piss. Yeah, I don't know if I'd have that. No, they had to have they had, they had to have something better. Yeah, probably like wine or something. Anyway, yeah, I mean, wine's been around for fucking ever. Yeah, who you got? You're gonna you're gonna really appreciate my next one. Okay, Ragnar Lothbrok. Yeah. Now I'm intrigued by this one because the a lot of the stories are very are very fluffed up yes uh the like if you've ever watched the show vikings most of that's a lie a hundred percent the the only thing that's true about vikings is there was a man named ragnar lothbrook that's about it yeah um and he led raids he led the first raids into like what is today now britain yeah, and he that's that's the only truth behind Vikings. Well, and like a lot of people used the name that weren't actually him, so he got a lot mm-hmm. of money for things he didn't do. Um, like idea they were his ideas, he just didn't carry them out. Like he right. it was very like weird and strategic of like because of um like language barriers and stuff, like they think a lot of it came down to people like in the name of Ragnar of Ragnar Lothbrok. Yeah. Uh, he got a lot of credit for things when people who weren't him were doing it. Yeah. Honestly, I would just love to be able to sit down with him because 
I mean, obviously, you know, because it fascinates both of us, just Norse, the Norse culture fascinates both of us. And it's very hard to find actual, like legitimate material to teach you about Norse culture um, because there's not many records. There was no written records back then. And anything that is written down was written down several hundred years after the Vikings disappeared. Well, it's, uh, all, it's all been heavily bastardized. And, it's, I, and, and by the, yeah, by this point, it's all heavily bastardized. Well, and, and, a, uh, and a good part of that is because, and Ragnar is actually credited with um, the Norse people being more accepting of monotheistic beliefs, mm-hmm. um, you know, were not like basically not living the lifestyle of like, you disagree with me religiously, therefore you must die or like convert or die basically. Right. Um, and like, because of that, you know, when Christianity really, really took over, you know, they destroyed a lot of pagan teachings, the pagan artifacts, yeah, history books, whole nine yards. And, you know, so now like, and a lot of them have been translated now as many times, if not more than the Bible itself. So, yeah. Uh, I would, I would really just love to be able to sit down with him and just for like a month, just sit and take lessons from this man. Teach me like the actual, like the proper Norse culture. Yeah. Like show me, like, I'm going to show you what like today's history books say about, you know, the Norse. Like, I want you to tell me what's fact and what's crap. And then correct the crap. Yeah. And like and a good chunk of that. I mean, even people don't, a lot of people don't realize like when you see a Viking helmet with horns, that's factually inaccurate. Yeah. That wasn't a thing. Uh, like and it's stupid little shit like that. That like also they weren't even called, no, they weren't even called Vikings. Viking was a job. You went a Vikinger. That was a thing you did. You were Norsemen or Danesmen. Yeah. Like, yeah, like people who were Vikings, like, I mean, it's like calling someone like I'm a barber, right? Like they, it, it was the word that was used for basically pirates from that area. Yeah. Really what that boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. I agree that like, that would be a lot of fun to, to sit back and see and hear, you know, the way, the way that it really was not the way that it's presented. Cause I mean, like you can learn about the like the Norse mythology and stuff. You can read the Eddas. You can, you know, yeah. learn about all that stuff. But as far as like actual, like the way Norse culture, like, yeah, the culture itself is it's very, very hard to find any material about it. Well, and it's so widely argued, like, you know, there, there's people who gatekeep the crap out of it that like, Oh, you're mm-hmm. from Iceland, you know, Iceland or, you know, this, like this specific region. So you're not one of us. And then like, there's people from that area or like, and usually the people saying that are like, you know, 6% or less. Right. And the people that like still currently live there are like, no nah, man, like Odin was the all father, not the some father. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> fucking anybody who wanted to join, like who wanted to, who wanted to party could come party with us. Like, that's fine. Just yeah. certain things you had to do or certain ways you had to, you know, if you're going to come, you've got to come correct kind of thing, but yeah, just be very, very interesting to see. Like, like, obviously we, we know 
the stories and the mythology and stuff like that from what we're able to read now, but it would be completely different to be able to hear it firsthand from the mouth of someone who lived it. Like are, are what we're reading and what was written down that was translated for us to read. Is that really the way it went? Like, is that really a hundred percent what we're reading? Is that really how Ragnarok went or started or ended? Or did it also get bastardized in the couple hundred years in between? Well, I mean, what's, what is the most bastardized thing aside from, you know, horns on helmets? What's, what is one of the most bastardized things and concepts of the Norse culture? The idea of Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many fucking douchey bros do you sit there and hear like, till Valhalla, bro. And it's like, you don't go to Valhalla because you're drinking meat and hanging out with your buddies. Like, no, solely reserved for dying in battle. And like, so is Falkenvanger. Like, it, it because just, Odin took half to Valhalla and then Freya took the other half to Falkenvanger, which was stated to be as equally a beautiful a place uh, to wait for the final battle of Ragnarok. If you just died, not in battle, if you made it to old age and died, you actually went to hell, which it's not Christian hell. Hell is also said to be a very nice place to live in the afterlife, but it's not. Yeah, you're not the meat halls of Valhalla. Yeah, you're not. You're not in the great hall. Like, and that's really all it is. And like, you still go and like, it's like going to hell wasn't a punishment. It's not the concept of fiery doom and punishment that the, you know, the Christian people like, and all of that, all of it. And I would love to hear like, from him specifically like someone who who lived it what the thought really was yeah you know who yeah. I would, you know who i would love to sit down and have a, a a glass of god knows what we would drink at that mansion you know i don't know but i'm sure you're gonna tell me hugh hefner oh <laughs> fuck dude yeah dirty this, old hugh the oh god that this dude could tell Oh my God. I mean, like this is the man behind playboy. Yeah. I mean, the stories that have come out about him, you're like, Jesus Christ, how is this man never fucking like arrested and thrown in jail for like most of the shit that he did. But yeah, like, holy shit. Yeah. Hef would be a good one. I mean, we're like, he paid a hundred hundred dollars a year to live in the playboy mansion. And then he paid a million dollars a year. I don't know what that means. Yeah. I don't know when he first started living in the mansion. He didn't leave for months. Why would you, if if you live in a fucking mansion like that, would you ever leave? No. Hell no. Like, this do okay so here's like he waited till marriage to have sex the playboy like the playboy dude waited till marriage to have sex and his first wife cheated on him wow okay wouldn't would not have seen that coming from half yeah uh he started wearing the the smoking like the 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 hugh hefner robe yeah he started wearing those all the time when he moved his office into his bedroom. 
Hmm. He was a cartoonist during World War II. Yeah, he's got a very interesting like backstory and past and like he started he started Playboy because he was refused a five dollar a week raise when he worked for Esquire. Yes, I did I did know that. I've watched a couple of documentaries on like half and like the history of Playboy and it's all very fascinating stuff. Like he owns the Guinness World Record for scrapbooking. What? Yeah. He bought a jet in the 60s just to throw parties. I mean, why isn't Elon doing this? Because he bought Twitter. Well, yeah. (laughs) He's still got enough pocket change to fucking buy a jet just to throw parties. He actually. So this dude stole the idea for Playboy Clubs. From a place called Bunny's Tavern in Illinois, where the bartenders dress like bunnies. Hmm. there's actually a type of bunny named after him. This dude is absolutely fascinating. Like he is basically just like a, like a media nerd, right? Yeah. He worked for, he was a cartoonist. He worked for different magazines. He worked in it for a children's magazine at one point. And like, then after getting denied a raise, he was like, well, let's put tits on paper. He's like kind of like Bender in that episode of uh, Futurama. Like, well, screw you. I'll make my own casino with hookers and whatever. Yeah. I mean, and, and this dude spent a life at that point. <sighs> Just lived with man created an absolute empire because there are playboy clubs all over the country or at least were at one point. Yeah, there used to be one here. Didn't, uh, what's his name? Dad used to work at one bartend. Yes. Yes. Tony did. In fact, I mean, uh, we're talking about a dude who ended up having, like he lived the dream that every, like, let's be honest, like 13 to four, 13, 14 to 20 something year old dreams of living, living in a house with gorgeous half naked women all the time. And I don't know if it's true, but it was pretty much like generally widely accepted that he pretty much got to do whatever he wanted when he was there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I would love to be able to go tour the Playboy Mansion out there. It's not even like I... I would just want to hear the stories like the, like the, from the, like the people, like, I, I mean, all all the people who've been in playboy. I mean, that used to be a huge deal back in the attitude era in WWE. Mm-hmm. Well, like, you, you knew you made it as one of the women of wrestling when you got to pose in playboy. Yep. When like, you made the centerfold or the cover of playboy. Yeah. That was a huge accomplishment. And I will say that like, you know, as opposed to all the other like pornographic magazines that have come out, at least Hugh did it very tastefully. Like he wasn't peddling like hardcore smut. He was taking tasteful fucking nudes of beautiful women. Like, yeah. so, and like, so he, and here's a dude who he had apparently very strict rules for his girlfriends who lived at the mansion with him. Yeah. Uh, to the point that, 
like past girlfriends had publicly complained about the severe restrictions. Basically, there was a zero drug tolerance policy or a zero tolerance policy on drugs and mm-hmm. drug use. So you couldn't be on drugs and you couldn't be drunk at, at the mansion. There was a no visitors policy. So nobody came to see you. Nobody came to hang out. And there was a strict 9, uh, 9 p.m. curfew, which means you were in the house by 9 p.m. And he he actively spoke out um, against girls the Girls Gone Wild franchise because he said it was uh, exploitive and it's not, and he doesn't think that Joe Francis, the guy who created Girls Gone Wild, was a good person. Yeah. Like that he was basically the consummate douche taking advantage of drunk chicks. I mean, you can't, you really can't argue with that. Like, I mean, we've all stayed up back when Girls Gone Wild was a thing and, you know, you're 13, 14, 15 years old and stay up past your bedtime watching TV and two in the morning, the Girls Gone Wild commercials start playing and looking back on them, you're like, how is this ever fucking legal? Like, even if they got these girls to sign release forms, these girls are fucking shit faced. Yeah. Um, but. I just think it would be fascinating to hear the stories of the people and like circling back to like, like his former girlfriends, like complaining about the, like the rules, like you're going to complain because he's like, no, like you're not going to do drugs. Like, yeah. But I mean, think about like when you think of like a playboy bunny and we're not talking like the big ones, we're not talking about your, you know, your, your most famous, your big one. Like we're talking about the ones who like, fit the bill but didn't have the name to go with it so like i mean how how many like uber famous people were going to be playboy bunnies living in the mansion like when you're one of those people like you're you're doing it because you like you want the notoriety you want the fame you want the fortune you want the you know you want everything that comes with it but like you're probably also the type of person that would be caught you know off your ass at a bar one night Mm -hmm. you know ending up on girls gone wild somehow yeah you know so like and he he wanted nothing to do with that he wanted nothing to do with like it was i mean like I, okay so a perfect example i know people who go out um like if they go out for a holiday like if there's you know like if they go out on a birthday if they go out on like a a, a, a night like a drinking night for a holiday they dress to the nines because they want to show that i am better than you yeah. And that was you. I am better than you. I am above the smut. Like, yes, these are naked women, but they are tasteful. They are, you know, they, they know what they're doing. They're with like, like we're not exploiting drunk girls. We're not, you know, yeah, we're not taking these girls back to dirty fucking RVs parked around the block. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not exploiting 16 and 17 year olds. Like, on that borderline are they legal thing like right because how how thoroughly do you honestly think girls gone wild was with id checks yeah this was like widely vetted and it it was a standard like it was a symbol right it was supposed to be classy it was supposed to be like and it was a thing that got bastardized over the years like i mean I, i i remember seeing girls that i went to high school with like having the little playboy bunny thing like tanned yeah somewhere that was always weird to me. Yeah. And I'm like, but you're 15, Sarah. Like, why the fuck do you have the Playboy bunny thing? Like tanned onto you. Yeah. On, on your hip near your, like, yeah, your crotch line. But like, yeah, like then you look at that and you're like, 
you would never be in Playboy or a Playboy bunny because you're trash. Like, right. Because it was always the super fucking trashy girls that had the fucking Playboy sticker. Like, and all it was was they'd fucking go lay in a tanning bed. They'd get a fucking Playboy sticker and just put the sticker on them. And most of the time they actually sold the fucking stickers at the tanning salon. Hell yeah, they did. But what, like, because why wouldn't they? But why was that the case? Because because it was a widely recognized brand, widely recognized brand. And when you were a Playboy bunny, that was a status. It was a status thing. You you were someone and like you at heart may have been some level of. Not the type of girl you'd take home to mom, but like Hef didn't let you act that way. No. Because he had standards and I would just, I would, I would just love to sit back and hear the stories of what, like, like really just no, you know, no recording devices, no, like no, nothing. I don't want to be, I don't want to do a podcast. I want to sit there. I want to like sip a martini with you and just like have a cigar and just, just tell me stories. Tell me things that happened in like inside these walls. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. That's probably that's a really good one. Who's your next? I, uh, my next one is going to go. It, it's a little bit darker, but it also is a very interesting. Um, and it's not just one person. It's really kind of just like anyone from a certain group of people. Um, the Manson family. No. Oh, okay. Um. Any survivor of a concentration camp. Ooh. Okay. Just to to hear not that i i want to hear like their side of it because we all know their side of it that you know all the things that hitler did were absolutely atrocious but just to hear firsthand like their story about you know what they did before the war like you know what kind of like social status did they have before it was like oh we hate all jews um you know how how did they end up in said camp like what camps were they at like because i know they would routinely move people around so they never really knew where they were you know how did they survive like what like i really want to know like in their psyche like what was going on in their mind that gave them the will to actually survive that fucking thing and i would love to sit down with any and every person that was ever in a concentration camp to hear their story. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about like knowing a thing or two, cause you've seen a thing or two. Holy shit. Like one of the best books that I ever read as a kid. Um, and Normally, I hated the books that they assigned us to read in school. I just fucking hated it. Um, I believe it was called Night by uh, Ellie Wiesel. Okay. Um, and I, I apologize if to, if anybody knows exactly what I'm talking about, and I've messed up either of the names, but it was a gentleman who was in a concentration camp and like documented like all the experiments that they did on him and 
uh, just all the terrible fucked up things and like how he ended up getting out. I think he actually escaped in a concentration camp. Um, which is no small fucking feat. Yeah, I was gonna say that that's impressive in and of itself because that doesn't happen. No. Um, but it's super amazing book. And uh that was really kind of like my first real look at like the atrocities that were being committed during World War II. Cause you know, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, like they're like, Oh yeah, like World War II, yada yada, like Hitler, bad, killed a bunch of Jews got it concentration camps cool not cool but you know whatever um (laughs) i was gonna let you just breeze over that yeah um but you know reading that book was the first time that you ever actually got like a first-hand account from somebody who was actually in one and it blew my mind really did yeah just think that any any single one of them and every single one of them, their stories should be heard and told. I agree. Like to the point that, I mean, we have officially reached a point of mental de-evolution where there are people who actually like deny the Holocaust and stuff. I don't understand how anybody could do that, you know? Yeah. I mean, there are people still alive that have like gone through it. Like that went Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah 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 that would be that would be fascinating uh speaking of oppressed people i am going with the great emancipator Ooh, good old mr lincoln old honest abe listen this dude he created the secret service literal hours before he got assassinated did he really yeah like eight hours prior he created the secret service. Well, no wonder the secret service fucked up. Um, this dude used to test fire rifles as president outside the white house. <laughs> Love that. I don't know if people realize how, like how interesting Abraham Lincoln was. Like the one, the one thing I love about Abe Lincoln is like everyone talks like he was like such a super tall guy. He really wasn't. He was of like our height, which we're not small gentlemen, but like when people talk about him, like you think he's like six foot eight, six foot ten. No, dude was only like six foot two, six foot three. He was six four. Six four. Okay. And he only weighed a buck seventy. Yeah. But back in that day, when the average height of men was like five foot seven was a very tall man, he was a giant. You know, he only had 18 months of formal schooling. Uh, I mean, but taught himself law and was admitted to the Illinois bar. So he could practice. He could practice law. In Illinois, but only had 18 months of formal schooling. Like in his entire life. That's what it says. No shit. One of the most interesting things about Abraham Lincoln is he was legitimately, legitimately 
a badass. Like this dude was tough. Yeah, wasn't he a uh, a boxer at one point? Like he was like a bare knuckle boxer. He was not only a bare knuckle boxer, but he was also a wrestler. Huh. So like like I and this was back in the day when carnivals used to travel people would go to them and they had like tough like they called them like tough tough man competitions like not like strong man competitions like oh who can who can lift this you know gigantic ball that has the number 100 painted on like no they had like legit tough guy competitions and what it would be it was it would either be bare knuckle fights or and or it would be wrestling matches and the wrestling matches were a thing that like the the circus usually had like a stable of quote unquote champions that like people would wrestle for the right to face the champions sure and Abe Lincoln not only regularly won but it was to a point where like he because he was 64 and tall and gangly and lanky was actually recognizable enough that there were certain people that wouldn't let him compete because they were like, I mean, that's fair. This dude's got a legit shot to beat my champion. And he did the style of wrestling. It was called catch wrestling. And that was the type of stuff that, uh, it was actually very famous for people who worked on like barges and stuff, uh, on along canals. Sure. They would work loading and unloading the barges by day and then compete for prize money at night at these carnivals and stuff. Which uh, rumor, there is rumor that Lincoln did participate in some of that with like working on barges and whatnot. And that's how he got into the bare knuckle fighting and wrestling. And this can catch wrestling at these, at these fairs and festivals and stuff like that is eventually what would evolve to become what we now know as professional wrestling with WWE, AEW, uh, stuff like that, where, you know, it would be like they, they would get it started with like, okay, just, you know, your tough guy competitions and then, you know, fight wrestling the house champion. And then it would be like, okay, oh, we got these two different house champions wrestling each other as like the main thing for, you know, the main event of the show as it were. Sure. And then they were like, you know what? We could actually like make more money with like betting and stuff with fixed outcomes. And like, that's when all of a sudden it would be like, okay, well, um, who, who deserves to win more? Who brings in more money? How do I make more money? Like, will I make more money if this person wins or if they lose? And then like, well, well, my champion's better than your champion. And like Abe Lincoln partook in some of this stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh. and he was shot at the opera. Yeah. By a dude whose brother once saved his son. By a dude whose brother once John Wilkes Booth's brother once yeah. saved Abraham Lincoln's kid. No shit. Dude, it's a, it was a small world back then. Listen, with the whole like, you know, him being like a a, a goddamn bare knuckle boxer and stuff like that, all I can think of is like the entire time he's president, he's just like Wayne from Letterkenny, like I'm the toughest guy in the United States. Then like random challengers just walking up, he you know, picks up the the telegram and goes, end of the lane, wait, don't come up the property. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know if that like if that's topical for the time, but yeah, Pony Express comes up. What's it say? It says end of the laneway. Don't come up the property. 
and the property is the White House. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Could you imagine Abe Lincoln just throwing hands in the back pit in the backyard of the White House? Oh, my God. I, I, (laughs) I, I mean, I would just like imagine, imagine any, any politician nowadays. Being no, like, being like, yo, let's go eight rounds out back. Like, and legitimately meaning it. And like, not out of anger, not out of like, I think your politics suck. Like, no, nah, dude, let's, you know, let's tape up. Let's put the gloves on and let's go. Let's just, you know, it's a hobby. Let's fuck. Let's, let's party. Right. I would vote for him. I don't care who it is. I would vote for him. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Who's, 100%. Who's numero uno? Numero uno for me. Um, is uh major dick winter major dick winter major richard winter you would know him as the company commander of easy company second battalion 506 parachute infantry regiment of the 101st airborne okay dick winter is the commanding officer of banner brothers gotcha this man not only had no military experience prior to joining the war, like he joined specifically because of the war and with his education, he was made an officer during the two years that he was in war. He went from a second Lieutenant all the way to major. That is, uh, First lieutenant, captain, four promotions in two years. Wow. Dick Winter was a badass. He was like a master tactician, kind of like Genghis Khan, um, to the point that one of the tactical maneuvers that he pulled, um, is so textbook and worked so perfectly. They still teach that exact scenario and how they use that exact scenario of what he did to teach West Point graduates or West Point cadets, like the perfect way to assault an entrenched location. No shit. Dick winter was a bad motherfucker. Not to mention, like, just being part of the Bander Brothers, I would love to talk to any any single one of them. Um, actually, one of them is from right here in our backyard. No, oh, no shit, I didn't know that. Yep, uh, Herman Muck. Uh, or I'm sorry, w- uh, Warren Muck. Warren Muck. Uh, grew up in Tonawanda. Graduated from Tonawanda High School. Oh, that's really cool. There's actually a memorial uh, up by. Uh, you know where they do like Canal Fest and there's like that tops right there? Yeah. There's a memorial uh to Muck right there somewhere. Well, that's fucking cool. Yeah. Um I mean, just to hear the stories about you know World War II and like obviously like if you watch Band of Brothers, like that's a pretty good goddamn indication of you know what they actually went through because these gentlemen were still alive at the time that they were making it. Uh, so they were able to give their firsthand accounts of, you know, 
how it actually was and like no don't do that like it didn't happen like that like this is actually what happened um that's really cool yeah um but you know his his unit went all the way from they jumped in on d-day they participated in operation market garden they were hunkered down in uh bastone for the battle of the bulge um they were the first people to make it to the eagle's nest yeah like easy company is a very history unit in military in the military um and just to be able to sit down and have a conversation with major winters about his experience and the things that he actually went through and some of the decisions that he had to make would be utterly like I'm, I'm a student of history, man. Like it's my favorite subject. It was always mine too. So like being able to sit down and like hear firsthand accounts of all this shit would just be an absolute dream come true to me. Yeah, no, that would be really, really cool. And that's actually a pretty uh, fun segue to my number one, which I'm actually really impressed that neither one of us had anything, any overlap. Right? Yeah, me too. I thought maybe if we were going to overlap on anything, it would be Ragnar. So my number one. uh, So (laughs) I'm going to read the accomplishments I have noted here. Okay. He overcame childhood illness by sheer willpower. (laughs) His wife and his mom died on the same day. So to deal with the grief, he went out West and became a cowboy where he became a deputy sheriff and once caught three boat thieves on his own on the same day. He then proceeded to take them in, uh, instead of having them hung by vigilantes, he actually took them into the nearest area where they would actually hold legitimate court. And he stayed awake for 40 hours straight to keep an eye on them, to make sure they didn't escape and kept himself awake by reading. Dude, that'll put me straight to fucking sleep. No kidding. He climbed a mountain on his honeymoon. Like, so he snuck away from, like, during his honeymoon to climb a mountain. So we're talking American. Uh, He was a president who was notorious for skinny dipping. Okay, not who I thought it was going to be then. Who'd you think it was going to be? Uh, I thought you were going like Wyatt Earp or like Doc Holliday. Yeah. Nope. So president who's getting president. Back? Okay. He helped invent what we now know as modern football. He was a big game hunter. Good old Teddy. Good old Teddy. He survived being shot and then went on to deliver a speech mere hours later. Good old Teddy. He he was well known for having a great memory. He won a Nobel Prize. He's the father of the U.S. Navy. He went blind in one eye after a boxing injury in the White House. So what we just talked about Abe doing, Teddy Roosevelt did it in modern times. Nice. Oh, he also took on uh, vice and dirty cops and stuff like that 
uh, in the NYPD when he was the police commissioner of New York City. And did I mention that he had a huge tattoo on his chest of his family's crest? Did he really? Yes. Teddy Roosevelt is just a badass American who became president. Like, like imagine being like, oh, I'm grief stricken because the two, two of the most important women in my life died. I'm going to go be a cowboy. Bye. And like, not a modern cowboy. Now I'm going to go work on a farm and I'm going to rope and ride. No, I'm going to go out to the wicked, wicked, wild, wicked, wild, wicked, wicked, wild, wild west. Hang out with Jim West. Be a desperado, a rough rider. No, you don't want nada. None of the six gun and his brother running this. Buffalo soldier. Look, it's like I fucking told you. This dude went out to the wild. Love that motherfucking West. And was and was a deputy sheriff. He was basically like a Wyatt Earp or a doctor. Yeah. He was, in fact, your fucking Huckleberry. Teddy motherfucking Roosevelt. I would sit back and sip whiskey with this man, and I, I would let him lead me to war. I don't care. Oh, 100%. There are very few people that I could say I would follow through the gates of hell. Teddy Roosevelt is one. Dwight Eisenhower, Chesty Puller, those are two more. And Dick Winters is the last one. Those are the only four people I would follow through the gates of hell. I mean, how many people in the history of the world can say they were an old West cowboy and won a Nobel prize and the fucking president, right? Who went blind in his eye from a boxing match, snuck away from his wife on his honeymoon to climb a mountain because he could. <laughs> like, and like the best part was the, <laughs> the article that I got that factoid from was like, there's usually only one or two things that men are worried about climbing on their honeymoon. And they're both, they're both the wife. Yeah. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt found time on his honeymoon to go scale a mountain. But he, he was legitimately the most interesting man that ever lived. Yeah. When was he president? He was president from, 1901-1909. Yeah. And he actually ran for a third term as an independent and barely lost. Yeah, because that was that was back before they had the two-term limit thing. Yeah, that was um he lost to, I believe it was Woodrow Wilson, edged him out. Yeah. All right, let me see.
my honorable mention is going to be uh, President Harry Truman, just because I really would love to sit there and uh, talk to him about like his thought process and like how how difficult of a decision was it to unleash the fucking sun on Japan and approve the dropping of the atomic bombs. Yeah. Yeah, like support that. more like morally that's got to be a very hard fucking decision to actually do yo real quick i just googled this girl this kudaloon i think her name is again i could probably butchering that and every depiction of her is actually fairly attractive like i was picturing like genghis khan in drag <laughs> Like okay, wrestle me right. Like Kuda, K K H U T U L U N. I know a lot of them are like movie depictions and stuff like that, but like I, I don't know, huh? I don't know. Interesting. And it's pe- it's honestly it's honestly people like that that they need to be teaching about in like fucking history classes in high school. No shit. Like you want you want to talk about like amazing like badass people like yeah tell me about the warrior princess that gave, got 10,000 horses cuz men couldn't beat her in a wrestling match. Right, like she she lived in 1260 to 1306. Like yeah. her occupation noblewoman and wrestler. Yeah. Like, come on. Uh, All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Common Debauchery. Common Debauchery, part of the BICBP radio network. BICBP-radio.com. Find us online. You can find us on social media. Common Debauchery on Facebook. Just type in Common Debauchery. We're the only thing that pops up. I promise we designed it that way. Like, follow, share, subscribe. Tell your friends. Check us both out on all the social medias. You can find it in the description down below. Uh, however you're listening to this and that being said at, it's going to suck for a while because we're doing this over zoom but we'll get it right we'll get back in person one of these days i'm the nightmare and i'm rotten jack and this has been common debauchery, debauchery.